and welcome to another episode of Football Manager Therapy. I'm your host, Jebaru, and this week I'm joined by, well, no one. No, no one's here. We've got a bit of a red injury in the FM team. Big red injury list. Need to get some new physios in, I don't know, I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, send your well wishes to Kev, Callum and Rich. Actually, even more so for Rich. Apparently, Rich is training to be in Gladiators. He was that impressed by the first episode. He wants to run up that Travelator as soon as possible. So, what are we going to do in episode with just me? Am I just going to rant and rant and rant about Morecambe and how they're all inconsistent and how I lost 16 games in a row that one time? No, no, don't worry. I'm not going to go into that. What we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of a filler episode and a little bit of a compilation episode, probably about a month too late, usually one of those things that you see over Christmas. But we're going to do the best bits of some of the guests that we've had on over the past year. We're going to hear from a variety of people on a variety of subjects, obviously all FM-based. We're going to hear from Lama, Tony Jameson, Lelujo, and Josh Peach. Uh, we were going to put some Nick Madden in there, but I think we find it more appropriate if you just go listen to the entire Nick Madden episode where we discuss the match engine and all the foibles are working for the greatest game in the world. Anyway, enough of me. I'll be back to say goodbyes and all that later. But first up, got FM Llama. Way back there, definitely. Mm. What I would say, though, Rich, I, I, I don't know whether I'm hoping somebody on your panel will remember this but for me that kind of lengthy pause between game time is actually a step up because before playing football manager games on computer i used to actually play them via mail order back in the early 90s i don't know whether anybody else remembers that but you used to you find like a little advert in the back of shoot or match magazine and you'd write off pay them some kind of extortionate fee like two pounds a week and through the post they would send you you a four bits of paper yeah, you have to tape the pound coins to get that. That's sure it. They, they sent <laughs> you like it. a little pack and a little thing where you tape the pound coins to. I remember that quite well. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think I got Preston in one league. I, I did, even though I lived twenty minutes away from Preston, I didn't know any of those players in in those days in that type of thing. But yeah, I remember signing Phil Charnock, and that that was about the only thing I can remember. But that, that's probably <laughs> where I was with that. But that had a very football manager feel to it, you know, and that uh, I, I guess that's where it all started. Mm. And then was was that pretty much you? I mean, how long after the first experiences? Because I think most people you talk to about their experiences with FM is there's early experiences. I was exactly the same as yourself. I was, um, I think it was Championship Manager 3, Cousins Computer, played it very, very occasionally. I was like, oh, this this is okay. And then it's a little bit further down the line. It's kind of those Champ Mano 102s and it's it's moving forwards from there. That's when the kind of the addiction really, really, really starts to kick in. Were you hooked early doors or was it just more of a slow burner for you? No, no, pretty much from that. So I, you know, I, I played other kind of management simulation games. Um, um, there was one on the, I think it was on the Commodore sixty four called Manchester United in Europe that I started with. Um, I had so, that. <laughs> yeah, as, as soon as Football Manager arrived in my life, that was it. And uh, I made the decision, kind of at the age of about twelve or thirteen, to sacrifice life prospects and education just to pursue a football manager career. I decided to pass on both my GCSEs, A levels, and degree. Uh, in order just to manage various teams around European football. A man of culture, and I can respect it. I think there's not a single person who's listening to this that's going, what a terrible life choice he's made there. I was like, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, the right thing to do. It's one man's right culture is another man's lack of ambition, I think. Exactly, exactly. My my brother was the same. He he was at university doing very, very well, and then just developed a really, really, you know, passionate parasocial relationship with Anton van den Bora at Fiorentina. And that was it for him. That was that was game over. We've all yeah. been there. Well, for me, We've it was Peter, Peter Aforique at, uh, at Chester City, and uh, the Ch- Chester City fans have never seen a season like it. <laughs> and they never will again. <laughs> They never will again. They've dreamt of it. They've dreamt of it. So that, that was actually a, it's a good point. Are you, because um, in, in real life, in, in the real football, you are a, you're a Birmingham fan, am I right in saying, Lama? A uh, fan might be putting it strongly, considering my mm. emotions towards the club currently. I sure. have been a long-term follower, but uh, mm-hmm. to be a fan of them in their current guise is difficult because of the ownership of the club. Fan, yes. Supporter, 
certainly financially i try not to be sure are you are you like myself in as much as um because we've we've talked about um kind of managers uh, saves that we'll, we'll, we'll pick up especially if you've been playing the game for a period of time I won't do Sheffield Wednesday saves when I play football manager. Generally speaking, I used to a long, long time ago, but these days I won't do it. Very much like yourself. Lapsed fan, shall we say. Not necessarily supporter there of the club at the moment um, due to just ongoing reasons on and off the field. Have you ever done, are you kind of a Birmingham City guy when it comes to football manager? Do you like to right the wrongs virtually? Or is this, are you like me as I actually know what? I don't want to be that miserable in real life and on a game. Uh, so this is probably a good opportunity to explain this, isn't it? So uh, in football manager circles, I'm known as Llama. Uh, and many people think, oh, that's because he has some kind of sort of whimsical affection towards the camera lid. Uh, and it, it's not that at all. So back in the olden days on the sports interactive message boards, Llama stood for a lower league manager, an LLM with a little A, a Llama. Um, and so whenever I play football manager, I play as what they used to call a llama back in the days, which means you start in the lower leagues. Uh, you don't use the, the search function, the player search function. You don't use the staff search function. You try and play the game as realistically as possible. You start out with no badges, no qualifications, and you always start out some real dirty sort of Estonian tier nine club. So Birmingham are doing their best in real life to sink to a level where I might start a game with them. But as yet, they've been thwarted in those efforts. I love it. I just, again, it's it's that it's that lower league grind that a lot of and again, you're in the right company. It's the right people. It's those lower league grinds. It's not necessarily strapping in and playing, loading up a Man City save or going back to the older reps, loading up a United save, for example. Um, I mean, Jeb, you, you yourself, you're not much of a Liverpool guy on stream. Um, have you got any kind of favourite kind of lower league saves that you've touched on back in the day? Any llamas? Because that's my new favourite. That's my new favourite acronym. I did a, uh, I did a Liverpool save. I think I must be in like FM nineteen. I think I streamed it or something on those lines. And I did one season. I signed Salomon Rondon for Liverpool, and I think that was the only sign I made to the squad. I, we won everything in the first season. I went, I don't need to do this like type of thing. I think I did one. So I had one. So I used to work for a Game, who were owned by Sports Direct. So I thought I'm going to go in and go do Newcastle save. Uh, Mike actually sacked me after three months, so I dropped down and I took over Peterborough. And they sacked me because I can't remember why they sacked me. Oh, because I think I refused to sell a player. They sacked me after three months, so I ended uh, dropping down all the way to the Vanarama North. And the Chester came up, so I took over Chester, got them promoted, and then the Morecambe job came up from there, and that's where I'm from originally. So I took over Morecambe, took them up to took them up to League One on no budget whatsoever. Then the half the budget when I got into League One, and I was. To be fair, it was about third, and Northampton came in for me, and then I continued on with Northampton from there, and it was the Northampton side of things. Lots of lots of new gens coming through. It was quite nice to see, and uh, I still remember winning the FA Cup, and in that FA Cup run, I'd signed Luis Suarez, but I'd signed him too late to register him for the league, so he didn't play in the league. He played exclusively in the FA Cup. <laughs> he was 38 years old and he scored the winner in the final against Everton it was just beautiful like, <laughs> just taking Northampton from up there and, and it was like Morecambe I think I left them in third and Joey Barton took over after me and he, lost, he genuinely lost every game for the rest of the season and they got relegated <laughs> and it was just like it's almost perfect to see someone like Joey Barton just fail that way but uh, I, I think <laughs> the one thing that I had and I put this on stream the other day I usually have something on in the background on this screen and I, put, I found Championship Manager on the comment or 64, uh, the 8-bit version of it. So I put that in the background. It was really nice to see what the biggest continuations is, is Spacebar to continue on everything. It's still <laughs> the same. Like, it's not often that many people probably press it on Football Manager nowadays, but Spacebar <laughs> continues everything all the time. And the one thing I always remember from Championship Manager 2 is Clive Tildesley, long ball, looking for the flick on, just <laughs> those... <laughs> awful commentary bits that were on there but i'd love to hear them again as well i don't know i don't know about you llama i i, I missed that i do actually miss the some of the the features that were in the older games you know like they used to be able to drag an arrow from your wide players for how far you'd like them to run yeah. you used to be able yeah, to click man. on with ball and without ball instructions and move them around i like that Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, I went into Rich's stream last night as we were recording and he was doing the 9899 database. And I said in his stream, it just doesn't feel right unless you're just looking at the commentary, Rich. It just, you know, <laughs> what's going on? All these yeah. modern footballers running around a pitch. 
yeah, it feels really, really strange, doesn't it? You just want to turn it all off completely. Just turn off 2D or just turn off the monitor and just have my face in the corner. And I'll just do the commentary. It's like, oh, Ronaldo scored. Ronaldo scored again. Ronaldo scored again. Oh, now now, now Baggio has scored. Yeah, and just do that for the whole time because that, that feels like the authentic FM experience. It's those little sound clips, though. So, as I say, bring back the yellow arrows and bring back sound clips. I think those would be two welcome additions to the next uh, the next installment of FM. Uh, my friend John has recently purchased an old copy of LMA Manager, and uh, he has just been recording all of the little audio clips that the managers play when you change tactics. So at least twice a day, I get a one-second audio clip of a manager shouting, knock it long, and if I don't get them, <laughs> I, almost feel, I almost feel like my day's not complete now. So bring those back. Bring those back, please. They are wonderful. We deserve more of them. Um, Lama, in so in terms of your, as, as I say, you're a lifer when it comes to when it comes to the chat manager series. When it comes to FM, you are you're you're, you're one of us. You are a man of the people. As I say a man of impeccable culture and taste. In terms of, I mean, it's fast forwarding, I suppose, a little bit. Um, in terms of your kind of content creation journey based around Football Manager, what were the Kind of what was what was the catalyst for you saying at this point? I, I, rather than just as a, somebody who enjoys the game, what's the catalyst for you thinking I would like to now get in front of a camera and start producing content of my own based around this series? What was the uh, what was the thought process there? I, I'm not really sure to be honest. There certainly wasn't a day where I woke up and hmm. thought, you know what, uh, I, I've had a dream. Uh, it certainly wasn't like that. I'd actually been YouTubing for about three years before I did mm -hmm. any Football Manager content. Um, I had like an educational channel, still do. Uh, so, you know, I was already familiar with YouTube. And mm -hmm. then, uh, like many people, uh, global pandemics plunged me into a situation where I was at home a lot more. And I thought, you know what? Let's give it a go. Let's, you know, let's just uh, see what it's like. So I started and, uh, you know, it it went okay. And it's just kind of continued from there. There's, I'll be brutally honest with you. It's it's not easy, you know, as as the three of you will know. And there's probably been a good half dozen times where I've thought, that's it now. Then, you know, that that's enough. Mm. Um, and then you kind of get like a sign, you know, something will drop into your inbox. You know, an opportunity will kind of like present itself for you to maybe evolve your content a little and try something different. And it just kind of, you know, spurs you on to continue. Hmm. One I mean, of the Kevin. things, sorry, one of the things that I really love about Llama's uh, stuff when I've been watching, and I don't watch an awful lot of content these days, I find that I need to dis, uh, detach myself from some of it um, just to keep myself sane a little bit in doing my own. But um, well, your, your series where you deep dive into specific countries and, and the leagues of a country, etc. How, how did that particular series come about? Is that something you were interested in before doing that? Were you kind of uh, clued up in what uh, other leagues were and other countries football was or is it something you found as you've researched them for that specific series uh, yeah, so yeah a, a bit of both really it, it's mm -hmm. not like I, I spend a lot of my free time watching sort of third division brazilian games and i've naturally brought that passion into football manager but i've mm -hmm. always been a, a a fan of of european football of global football really um yeah i'm I'm not a fan of a Premier League club. And for many years, I've you know, not had a team to support that are in the Premier League. I've always preferred lower league football and overseas football. It just, I don't know, I might offend supporters of Premier League clubs here. It just feels like it has more soul uh, and it has more stories. You know, sometimes when I watch Premier League football, it's kind of like I've seen this film before. I know how it's going to end, you know, um, <laughs> You know, I, I know Southampton will be one nil up with ten minutes to go, and I, I know that Chelsea will score twice in injury time, and that you know you'll you'll get your hopes <laughs> up. But you know, the big guy always wins in the end. I prefer, I like stories. The reason why I like football, the reason why I like football managers, because I like storytelling. I think, <laughs> and, and and yeah, so that the series you're you're referring to, it was it was called the the league lowdown, and I've mm. kind of made a little bit of a niche for myself, I guess, making videos about save ideas. And mm. one of the things I really uh, used to dislike about football managers, you know, when you, you load up a game and then you're at the start screen and you want to play, but there's just, there's nothing that inspires you. You can't think of a club that would grip you. You can't think of a narrative or a storyline that you want to guide or be a part of. So I started making videos about 
did you know the story of this club or this country or this league? And, mm-hmm. and consider these teams, load them up, have a look. And uh, they kind of gained a little bit of popularity. So I've continued making Save Idea videos to this day. In fact, I was working on one last night. So off the back of that, is there one specific club, uh, league, etc., that you've researched and then thought for yourself, actually, that's really interesting. I need to deep dive myself into that a bit and, and play there or whatever. So that's the question, isn't it, Kevin? You know, the trouble is with making this series, you feel like that every time you make a video, which makes it really, really hard. Because when you're a, when you're not making football manager content, like you were saying earlier in your early days of championship manager, you can start again as frequently as you choose. Mm. But as a content creator, you kind of have to see it through. And yeah, you might play maybe two, maybe three saves. If you're RDF tactics, you play three or four. A yeah, week, I was just I about think. to say. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you kind of play maybe three to four saves max during a game cycle. But every time you churn out one of these videos, you think, oh my God, I want to be in the Chilean second division. And you think, oh, but I'm only two seasons into my current save. So yeah, there, there are clubs and leagues I desperately like to manage in. But before making content, I, I didn't actually have that much variety. I'd actually go through little periods. So when I first started playing football manager back in the early days, I'd take charge of Premier League clubs. And then as the versions continued, and I got into my teenage years, I slipped down the leagues. So I was starting out at League Two clubs. And then I went continental. So I went through a, a little Belgium phase uh, from Belgium for maybe spent about three or four FMs exclusively playing in the Belgian third division. Then it was Norway next. And then I found out what was called the Dafuge Challenge, which, gentlemen, I imagine you're, you're familiar with from the Sports Interactive Forums. Uh, of course, but tell the viewers anyway. Just to, you know. <laughs> this, is, this is actually a thing. This is, this is not me inventing things. This is this is a no. known thing. If you go on the sports interactive, in fact, if you go onto popular search engine, you just type in FM23 Dafuge Challenge. It's something that they run on the forums every year where you simulate the first season of Football Manager and you take charge of one of the clubs that's kind of promoted by the AI to the bottom league of the nation that you're playing in. And so basically, before making football manager content, the last eight years of my life, rather than focusing on family and career, has just been focused on simming through one season of football manager and taking charge of newly promoted sites. <laughs> is it something I'm proud of? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, just realized I've got to do those filler bits that they do like on the American podcast. <laughs> Wasn't it great to hear from Lama again? Uh, wasn't it great? <laughs> Hopefully we see him again soon. Anyway, next up, we've got Lelujo. We talked to him about several things and a surprising, surprising line comes up towards the end. Enjoy it. Uh, also mentioned your autism diagnosis, which has happened quite late in your life. Uh, mm. Rich, who sadly not with us today, he's, he's also had an autism diagnosis quite late in life as well. How's that affected you? Is that... Uh, Bought more clarity to how the brain works, etc. Is that? I think that's almost what you've said um, as well previously. Yeah, kinda. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'd I'd kind of self-diagnosed myself years ago and always assumed that I was, and kind of built the lifestyle that helped me the most long before I got the diagnosis. I've kind of done it the opposite way around to what a lot of people do it. So I I am definitely one of those autistic people who always struggled having a proper job, always struggle. I, I am very, um, I have quite strong demand avoidance. Um, so I don't like having a boss. I don't like following instructions. I don't like following rules. I find it very challenging. Um, so having to be in the same place at the same time every day doing the same things and having to do them the way you're told to do them even though you know there's a better way to do them um stuff like that it, it it's difficult to describe it would be physically painful um i i find it very difficult to do anything that i've decided is a pointless task it's one of the reasons why i have to have an accountant because i can't do my own bookkeeping because i just find it so pointless because i already know that I've done it right. So <laughs> then going through and formalizing it into a different format, although I accept it needs to be done, my brain doesn't. And it's like, no, it's, you don't need to do this. You're all, it's already done. You're already right. And it just, it's just, it is 
just banging into a brick wall and it i feel the tension throughout my body and i just want to like wave my arms around and my head is ready to explode it's horrible it, it, it is horrible forcing myself into do things that i don't want to do but obviously it's a long time now since i've had a real job i've been doing this full time for seven years now right that might be right um and i basically set my own schedule i work out of my own environment that is perfectly set up for me it looks like absolute chaos to anybody else but it's just got all of my things around me my football things my wrestling things my wonderful collection of fugglers that i have around the room my wrestling figures i've got an air conditioner on one side of me and a fan on the other because i don't like to be too warm <laughs> i you know i and it everything is set up exactly how i want it i work when i want i work on what i want when i want i do it in my own little place and i don't have to answer to anybody and just having those things set up in my life means that on a day-to-day -day basis it's all pretty easy to to handle i avoid situations that i know are problematic like i wouldn't wander around a it's weird because i love somewhere like insomnia but i wouldn't worry i wouldn't wander around a shopping center on a saturday afternoon um, I love going to Comic-Con, but I would never go there on Saturday when it's really, really busy. Yeah. I go I go Friday afternoon. I go Sunday afternoon. I avoid the really, really busy times. Um, so I just, I know the kind of things that cause me problems and I avoid them. And I realize I'm very, very lucky to be in a position to be able to do that because most people in my situation have to have all that other stuff that they still have to do because you know they need to be able to live they need to be able to put food on the table and it can be incredibly challenging i spoke before about how i would um sit around playing football manager when i was supposed to be working and you know i was i was lucky to be in the right jobs at the right time where it didn't get me fired and i actually ended up doing quite well and i've, I've managed to become reasonably successful more by luck or judgment in most areas of my life i just have this frustrating habit of uh of just kind of falling on my feet and things kind of working out for me and i realize i'm very very lucky um but yeah i uh it's getting back to the question it certainly explained a lot about some of the past relationships i've had uh, it explains why i don't know a single person i went to school with anymore um i don't you know, I don't really have much in the way of friends, certainly not friends the way I understand friends to work. Like there is nobody aside from Anna who I would talk about feelings with, for example. Um, so I, I, and that's always been the case with me. I've never really had friends. I have people I get on with. I have associates. I have colleagues, <laughs> but I don't really have friends. Um, and i've spoke before about the fact that my my marriage didn't work out because it, you know it, it it didn't work out I've, I've lucked out massively with anna because i met her and she already had an eight-year-old autistic son so she was already used to making huge accommodations for an autistic person in her life and it just so happened that a lot of the accommodations she was already making for him i slotted into very nicely <laughs> and uh yeah it, that that kind of worked out so she understands and doesn't get upset if i like eafc came out on friday i've spent most of my time since we got back from great yarmouth on friday sat in my office playing it and she understands that i'm going to do that because uh, a few days i'm going to be really obsessive about it i'm going to spend too much money on packs and then i'm going to drop it like a stone when i lose interest in it again because that's what i do and she she's seen that cycle go through multiple times over the time that she's known me um whereas someone who didn't really understand my brain would maybe be quite put out that i've spent the whole weekend in my office playing a football game and not spend any time with them but she knows we'll spend a lot of time together next week at disneyland um and it, it it all kind of balances out so yeah it's i've i've been very lucky that i've i've not had to i've not had to have difficult conversations with work about making accommodations for me um i don't feel like i mean i imagine i probably would qualify for it but i haven't felt the need to 
to apply for things like PIP or anything like that and go through that process because financially I'm fine. I don't need the extra support or anything like that. So yeah, I've not had to experience any of the, any of the downsides and I don't know. I've I've got I've got the the superpower flavor of autism, I guess, that allows me to do stuff like make three thousand YouTube videos over the course of however many years, upload every day without fail because that's what I do. I mean, there was um, the out of context football manager Twitter account put a thing out um, over the weekend asking who your favorite content creator is, <laughs> and the amount of people when they mentioned me would also use the word consistency because I am the guy who you know. He's going to put a video out every day, every, every day. You're going to get a video <laughs> from me without fail. And it doesn't matter what else is going on. I mean, this month I'm literally, as we're recording this, I'm going to watch the North London Derby afterwards. And I'm going to go live on Twitch because I need to record all of next week's videos. I'm in Disneyland. I've got nothing ready. I'm going to stream for like eight hours today. I'm going to record five videos and they're going to come out. Normal people would be like, <laughs> I'm going to miss a few days. I'm on holiday. Yeah. I, I that that would physically hurt me to do that and i know it's fine i know it would be okay i know the audience aren't going anywhere but at the same time it's more for my benefit than theirs that i don't want to miss a day because the anxiety that i'll feel through not having that four o'clock video drop and having the routine of going into checking the comments and i'd just rather do it i'd rather get it done and just be in my comfort zone of knowing there's a video coming out that day I, I I find it fascinating. I, 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 I genuinely do. I find it fascinating. I find the, find the mind fascinating. I find the, the fact that you've used the word lucky so many times there, but you've made your own luck, Kev. Like through, through the way you built yourself, most people wouldn't do that. Most people would have given up at their very early stages. Of, that's that's part built. of the that's part of the luck though, because the 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 flavor of autism that I've got, obviously autism is a spectrum, it presents differently in every yeah, person. Yeah. But the version that I've got means that giving up was never an option. It never mm. even crossed my mind. The yeah. thought of the the I you know, it's why I was able to do a 50 hour world record mm -hmm. stream. The I the the idea of giving up. If I set my mind to do something, I'm going to do that thing, so even if it's at the detriment to my own health or safety or well-being or mm. financial or relationship or whatever it might be. If I've decided I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, I guess for a neurotypical brain, maybe that is determination. Maybe that is... Um, maybe that is a positive character trait for me. It's just, I'm lucky that a, I've decided I'm going to do the right things because I might've decided that I really want to try that heroin. That sounds really nice. Gonna, you know, I'm lucky that the thing that I decided I wanted to do has been quite good. I did not lucky. see it coming there, Cam. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's a clip for this week. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm also lucky that, I have that never give up trait because I could just as easily have the, as soon as anything gets hard, I crumble trait. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it, a lot of it is like, it's just taking the hand that you're dealt and making the best of it. And it took me, I mean, I was, how old am I now? I was like 33, 34 when I started YouTube. So I spent a long time kind of floundering around, never holding down a job for more than a couple of years. Um, like I say, failed marriage, failed relationships, um, loads of debt. You know, I, I even now I still don't own a house because of the financial mess I got myself into in my 20s. Um, I made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of things go very wrong. And then luckily, I fell into the thing that fitted my brain. And that is, no matter what it might look like to anyone else looking in, it really was luck to be in the right place at the right time because if i'd have decided to do it five years earlier it didn't exist five years later i don't get into it so it was it, 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 there's so much of it that's luck yeah it's it's it, it may be luck but it's fantastic the work that you've done and i think yeah. to bring awareness as well really more to anything else i think particularly on your some of your channels as well the stuff with with Andy that you covered off and then obviously on your own diagnosis as well it is it is inspirational it does does get 
the, the praise it deserves from a lot of people. I know, I know Rich is a big fan just because of that, because he's got similar neurodivergence. It's yeah, it's it's amazing the way you've done. And I think it's I think on behalf of everyone, thank you. And like you, you do have some friends out there. I guess we might be associates <laughs> or colleagues, but you've always got friends at the FMT pod. Hello, it's me again. Definitely not recording these all in a row at all the same time. Definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Yeah, so don't do drugs. I think that's the, the important thing from that Lelujo chat. I don't I think he was very clear on that. He didn't try the drugs and it's it's gone really well for him. Anyway. Next up, we've got the, the king of TikTok, king of multi-streaming himself, Josh Peach. And he talks to us about YouTube, TikTok, all the world of content creation. Enjoy. Um, in terms of the content that you make, you said earlier, you, you, you know, you are busy. You do a lot, you know, content creation and, you know, based around, you know, just football in general, you know, not just limited to football manager, but I suppose we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that later. You're on all the, as we talked about earlier, you're on all the platforms, you stream on Twitch, you're creating YouTube videos, you know, you're incredibly active on sites like TikTok. Of the two main kind of, you know, content, you know, streaming platforms or, you know, putting the video, the longer form videos out there or the longer, longer form content creation of the tip of the uh, Twitches and the YouTubes. Is there one of those that you kind of have a preference towards in terms of what it is that you do? 100%. I would, mm -hmm. if you if you gave me YouTube or Twitch and I can only do one for the rest of my life, I'm doing Twitch all day long because the interaction with people is the reason that I started it in the first place and it's still the reason I do it now. Like YouTube is great and I love putting together that really polished packaged video that you put up there and then people can go and find it at any point and they jump in the comments and they share it with their friends and that stuff. But having that instant reaction, so when your right back puts one in your own net from 40 yards out and everyone else is laughing at you. That I love. Like to know that someone I've made someone else laugh at my misfortune. Absolutely fine. That's okay. Whereas you don't really get that with YouTube. Even if things go horribly wrong, at that point in time, you're the one person sitting there reacting to it. And you know that you've got to edit it in a way to make it most effective and get the emotion out afterwards, which is sometimes really difficult to do. Um, which like I find a lot, as you said, mentioned the TikToks, there are funny things which happen on my streams and that's what make it make up a lot of um my tiktok content i'm not saying that's me being really funny i'm saying that's the game being funny at me um but making that into a funnier moment to put onto a different platform after it's happened is sometimes really difficult because at that moment you remember ah oh, this this moment is so funny i remember i remember when i don't know we couldn't sign a player for one pound because we were so broke and in the stream it's hilarious and then you go to do it on you uh, on, on tiktok and you're like mm, it's it's actually not funny at all. I was—I don't know why we, we were all laughing about it, but it's all the build-up. You've had 45 minutes of free chat of who, who can we sign, who can we sign, who can we sign? And you get to that point, you've nailed your target, this is the guy, and you've got zero pounds in the account, and actually you look and you're 405 million pound in debt as Kingsland Town in the National League North, and it's gone horribly wrong. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely say streaming over YouTube content. But then if you throw TikTok into that mix, that's a very difficult question for me, I do think. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. So TikTok uh, is a more recent phenomenon, I guess. Uh, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But I, uh, I, one of the things I wanted to catch up on was, so you originally said that you've seen a Lelujo video in the past. You saw a workspace one way back in the day, and then you watched Dr. Benji stream and, you know, ask, heard people asking the question about how you do it and all that stuff. So which came first for you? Did you put a video out or did you put a live stream out first? What was the, the first interaction with content? So with content, I've made YouTube videos at, like away from Football Manager since I was like mm -hmm. 13, 12, 13. There are some horrific videos on YouTube of young <laughs> Peachy. If you can find them, that hats off to you, but they are horrendous. And they're still there because I can't get into the account to take them down. So <laughs> I do know where they are, but please don't try and find them. Um, uh, so when it came to Football Manager, though, when, when we got through to lockdown, it was a live stream that happened first because mm -hmm. I... Thought that would be, as I said, the like the straightaway, the instant interaction um, was was kind of what I wanted to try because I always like trying new things. Like we mentioned before the pre-record, we might talk about it in a bit. I really want to start a podcast. I don't know where that leads, but I'm just going to keep talking it and manifest it, and eventually it'll happen. Um, and that's why, like, I started TikTok and why I started streaming. So the stream was just I've watched someone else do it. I've never done that before. Let's see how it goes, and we'll give it a go that way. So. That's fantastic. And then TikTok comes out of that. Is that just um, because you've got the 
skill set, I guess, just to make very quick little snippet things and chuck it out there. Because for me personally, when I was thinking of transitioning from YouTube to Twitch a little while ago, uh, because I thought I was going to be better at streaming than I was at video making was my issue in that sense. Uh, the, the thought of then editing little things together and putting them in a snappy way and chucking them on TikTok, I can't get my head around it. It's not my skill set somehow. So I've never done it. But how did that come about then from the, the streams and the, the YouTubes into TikTok? So I've only been uploading on TikTok for just over a year now. So the love of TikTok as a platform kind of formed at work. And I, through my my two my current job now, my one previous, I make a, a lot of like short form content in terms of football. Mm -hmm. And it's my favorite, probably my favorite type of editing um, in general. Like I think that again now comes into the FM as well. But I kind of, because I had the bug of it like away from FM, eventually it, it crept in and I was like, is there a way that I can do this for Football Manager? Because I, I always, it's the same thing with the podcast. I kind of go through these stages where I just say, oh, I wish I could make TikToks. I wish I could do that. And eventually it will just get to a point where I'm like, I'll oh, just do it. Like stop talking about it, just do it. And it got to that point. I made one straight away um, about a regen name uh, called Mike Crutch. And uh, <laughs> that was the first one. Um, and I remember like it didn't do it didn't do very well to start with. And I didn't expect it to. I didn't know if the audience was there. And the next day I woke up and had 20k views. And I was like, okay, maybe there is the audience is out there for, for Football Manager if TikTok can kind of put my videos in front of the right people. And it went massive. I Yeah, I don't really know how it's happened. But um it's gone pretty well, yeah. No, it absolutely is. Um, and as you say, I think a lot of the time, like, you know, for, for example, we we do it, I say we, Jeb does it for us. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we have, you know, we've got some YouTube shorts out there. Um, we, we we have a TikTok channel, which is in, it's, it's in the link tree link in, in, in our description for pod. Um, Jebaru is completely in charge of that um, because he is very, very good at identifying those moments. Because I think that's the hardest thing to do because sometimes, as you say, something will happen on stream and it's brilliant and it's one of the highlights of your day. But there's 45 minutes of context to it that's happened before that doesn't come across in, you know, in a, in a you know, 10, 15 second video. So it's difficult. But Jebaru is very, very good at picking up on those moments when they happen. And just it, they they go up on TikTok or they go up on YouTube Shorts. Kind of if it's you know in 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 uh, in collaboration in, in you know at the same time as the episodes go up, and he's brilliant at it. Um, and because he's really really good at putting them all together. In terms of when you're when you're streaming, if something happened, how good are you at identifying something that's happened? over the course of a stream for example when these things happen is there like a little there's a little little light goes on in the back of your mind going right this is the moment let's just let's just uh, make a quick note of how long into the stream we are here because this is this is going to be the next this is going to be the next tiktok upload or do you are you always on on when it comes to like looking out for those moments or does it kind of you you know you close the stream down go oh actually there's something good happening today i reckon that might be some legs to it but how how does it work for you in terms of that 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 process it's a bit of both really i wish i was a lot better at identifying the moments as they happen um mm -hmm. i've got like this like electronic pad here where i try and write things down really quickly if something happens on a stream mm -hmm. or i've got like a clip button on my stream deck to try and clip things and then at least it gives me a rough reminder of where it was so i can go back and figure it out but i i often get to the end of the stream as you say and think oh no there's there's two things happened today and i don't know where they are so I then have to go through and try and figure out where they are. And the annoying thing is, I find it especially with TikTok over every other platform, is that it's so, um, how do I describe it? Inconsistent in a way or um, difficult to figure out what is going to work and what isn't. Sometimes I make I make one and I'm like, yeah, this this is, I think this could do well. I, I, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket. I'm going to spend longer on this one than normal. And it will it'll flop and then you'll have one where you just it's like an okay moment you think oh, it's, it's quite funny but it's okay and then you put it out and it's like out of nowhere everybody share it goes massive and you're like how, how has that happened i've literally spent 10 minutes on this one the one i've just spent eight hours on editing two legs of a champions league semi-final together why are we not looking at that one that's what's going on there so yeah it's it is it's weird to know uh which one's going to do well which then makes it a little bit harder to identify which parts i actually want to keep of a stream and which ones i don't so 
No, which makes makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Like I say, we're lucky that we have a Jabberoo because he's so good at picking up those Jeb. moments. Big up, big up, Jeb. Um, he's in the Isle of Man filming pool again. Wasn't an excuse last week, Callum. We promise it wasn't an excuse. <laughs> he is actually there. Um, no, th- this is the thing, it, and it's it, we're lucky that we have him because, like I say, it's like you. He sometimes just doesn't even tell us that he's doing it. It just pops up the next day. We had a moment, we had a wonderful moment in our network save a few months ago where uh, he left the password off. And then we had somebody joined the network game and, you know, they, they managed Arsenal for about two minutes in game. And they had a, they had a quite interesting name, as it turns out. But, you know, we still think about Jamie often, uh, Jamie and his appendage. We think about it all the time. And that, that happens, you know, like in the moment, I'm like, oh, this is just funny. This is just a night. This is just a funny thing that's happened over the course of this stream. And then the next day, a really, really well edited YouTube short just pops up. He's like, he's he's just he's, he's clicked that he's twigged that and he's not he's not said oh by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna make something out of this he's like no, it's just there the next day it's a really really nice thing to have because i think it would you say the success of your tiktok is drawing eyes to the other content that you're making be it youtube or twitch is that have you seen a correlation between your popularity and your rise on tiktok have you seen numbers going up in terms of other content that you make one million percent yeah it has been mm-hmm. massive I've always heard, I've always listened to Lelujo and 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 Dr. Benji and Omega Luke's another great example where they're like, make content outside of streams and you'll see the stream numbers go up. And I didn't, not that I didn't believe it, I just thought, oh, God, I don't have to do that. Like, this isn't what I'm doing it for. I'm just doing it to have fun, as I said, to start mm-hmm. with, like, interact with those people. And I started making the TikToks. And as you say, yeah, it went, like, it really boomed. Like, I went from maybe... 25 average viewers at the start of FM23 and then I started uploading the TikToks and we we hit we hit partner by January I think so you've got mm-hmm. to an average 75 for basically 2 months or so at least and mm-hmm. it was like hitting partner was something that was so always so far in the distance not something always something I wanted to do but something that mm-hmm. I didn't really aim for it was never a possibility really and it just happened and I was like how was how has this happened and I mean even today I'd say the majority of my followers join and then type in the chat their first message is, oh, I've seen you on TikTok. And it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Thanks. Well, welcome in. So it's, yeah, it's it's massive. And that's that would be my biggest tip at TikTok, especially because of how poor discoverability is on Twitch. If you're genuinely doing this to look to grow, you need to make content outside. And the easiest way in because discoverability is off the chain is TikTok because there's always another video in front of your face straight away. You swipe and you're there. Probably pretty bad for like mentally and how it traps people and stuff like that so that's a different side of it it's probably not a very healthy platform but if you're looking to grow on twitch selfishly it's brilliant i have a number of people that i um either live with <coughs> the wife or uh, other people that just go down a rabbit hole of twitter yeah. uh, tiktok it's never a platform that i've particularly investigated for just i prefer slightly longer content i guess for myself um but the yeah the amount of stuff you just turn around and say what you're watching she says i've no idea but i'm about 70 videos in yeah and this is some random weird thing but it's kind of interesting you know mm-hmm. yeah this is it it's, it's brilliant like again that people in in my household also um my wife uh very very interested in and my kids as well they they love it because it's it, it's the attention span thing like you know it's like right here's a 15 second video or here's a 10 second video right here's another one here's another one here's another one here's another one and it's 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 incredible it's absolutely incredible and you know because i'm i'm of a generation my initial response to it was like oh i'm not learning about another social media app how dare you whereas now i'm like oh it's probably the kind of thing that probably need to start paying a little bit more attention to because it is now one of the biggest social media platforms in the world and you know i'm i'm very slow basically that i'm slowly becoming my dad i think that's the problem <laughs> i'm just refu- refusing to believe it so what I, can, I, I do sorry joke, i do jokes on stage about it it's uh, and i just come across like a really really miserable old man which is weird considering i'm 24 there's there's something i wanted to clarify here with josh was um so you said earlier about um youtube and the difference between youtube and streaming as to why you would prefer to be a streamer over a youtuber if you had to pick one but then tiktok becomes another thing in the mix of what would i prefer to do so the the one thing that i'd like to understand a little bit because i've done youtube and i've done streaming at different points and i relate to the thought of the immediate thing of being a streamer is the key for me 
uh, over the fact you put something on the internet and somebody might find it at some point. Do you have any sense of who your community is or your viewership is on TikTok? Or is it kind of even more so just numbers compared to even what YouTube is and then over streaming being the one way you can identify everything, if that makes sense? How does that work? Um, it's a good point, to be fair. I suppose I don't really. It's just... It is just numbers. I mean, like you always get your, your analytics and, and stuff like that. But I think what the reason why it intrigues me a little bit more than, than a YouTube and a Twitch is because like that the, the build of the platform is so different where the barrier to entry of creation is so low compared to like especially YouTube now and, and Twitch to a certain extent where you've got people spending millions of pounds on YouTube videos, like the top people we're talking about, they're spending so much money to capture your attention and this is it, this is where we are. And they always say, like your thumbnail and your title is more, um, sometimes more important than your than your content because people have got to get into the video and start watching it. Whereas you don't have that on TikTok. You've got to make that impression from the minute they swipe down and they know that if they don't connect with your video within that first half a second, say like it generally could be that short, but they've got another one below waiting for them. And if they don't connect that one, they go again, they go again, they go again. So I, I find that that almost capturing someone's attention and you're like, oh, what's this? I find that part of it fascinating because mm -hmm. the next video is so easily accessible and you haven't got long to get keep them in there. And especially now, TikTok itself as a platform is trying to push people to make minute longer than one minute videos. So mm -hmm. to, to get someone in and then continue watching for a minute on a platform where it's famous for the most viral video being 11 seconds long is 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 such a, almost a challenge i guess i can't like of thinking right if i can make you watch a minute and, a minute and 10 seconds here something worked uh, it's worked mm -hmm. out so i think that's why i like and i also stream on on tiktok as well so i guess that's kind of mm -hmm. cheating in a way to say that i take it instead of twitch because i still stream on there as well so I feel like that was very geeky, by the way. So apologies for people if no. they want to hear no, this, much this, about how it works. We, we um, like this, this. This is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. Let it all out, man. Let it all out. You're among friends. It's okay. It's okay to nerd out <laughs> over these kind of things. I mean, it that 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 again. That's really interesting to me because I again because I'm so removed isn't necessarily the right word, but because I'm just not as up to date with the, TikTok as a platform as I should be. Like I didn't, I didn't know there was the, the the option of the longer the longer videos. I thought you know, the fact that it's short form, like I thought that that's that's the hook. You know, it's short videos, bam, 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 bam. Like it's engaging, short form engaging content, and you just carry on, carry on, carry on. I didn't realize that the the longer form videos were an option on there. It ruins one of my bits when I gig because you know I ask people if uh, if they if they use TikTok and they say yes, then you start talking about TV. I'm like, oh, for the people under 30 in the room, TV programs are like long form TikToks. They go on for about half an hour. <laughs> Isn't being old funny? And now it's actually going to be a thing. And I'm furious. <laughs> Absolutely furious. Um in terms of in terms of your YouTube content, and I guess this slightly starts to segue us in into kind of you know other things that you do. If there's one thing that you can say about a Josh Peach YouTube video, and again, this just translates into the TikTok content as well, is that your production values are second to none. They are exceptionally good, like to the point where I've, I say I've, I've spent a bit of my morning this morning watching you recently, the um, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid in the Premier League. The quality of production in that video and the values are sensational and the only real comparison that you have in my mind not even the fact that it's based around fm content is when you watch significantly bigger youtube creators or your youtube content creators who hire professional editors to make the content for them like right here's the idea i'm going to film it here's the raw footage please make this look beautiful and you do that and it's your idea and it's your editing and that that's all you like just, just in general, mate. Hats off. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Thank I mean, you. I I know in terms of what you do for a living. Like I say, this is kind of a bit of a segue into that. Is the YouTube? Is there a little element of that where it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna flex a new thing that I've learned this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna flex some new techniques that I know, and I'm also going to apply it to my YouTube. Do you think the production values that you bring to that are? Is that something that you strive through every video? Do you you know? You, 
do you feel like given what you do for a living you can ever phone it in or is it every video in terms of the production it has to be the best that it can possibly be well thank you firstly that's very kind you didn't have to say that i kind of feel like i'm cheating in a way because as you say i am literally a professional editor so I am the I'm the person who has to sit in front of the camera and then I know when I'm filming it, all right, I'm gonna put this cut in here to make this do this and stuff like that. So it's probably cheating in a way, like um, even though I don't send it to anyone else. Um I would say that my YouTube videos don't go as far as as what I would do in a in a day-to-day -day video for like my 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 actual job. I wouldn't it never goes that far, but I would definitely say, and I've people have definitely said before to that i'm a perfectionist and probably too much of a perfectionist like i can't just leave something as it is and yeah i, I can't do a that'll do video because it just would get to me so much and i kind of feel like with the people that know i am an editor like people have asked me in the community like how do you do this and stuff like that and like i've helped some people out if i then made a video which was really bad like it would hurt it would hurt my brain and people would just be like well this guy this guy gets paid to do this like what is he doing uh, this is this is not good so yeah i mean there's definitely uh it's just it, as i said i love creating videos and creating content which is why i do so much and youtube's kind of something that i've revisited recently i think i've only made since fm24 i've made like one let's play series like eight videos and then um as you said about the experiment a couple of experiment videos and i think that's kind of where i want to go but it's i'm trying to I'm trying something at the moment to make videos on YouTube about Football Manager without having Football Manager actually in them. If you know what I mean? That's kind of my my game at the moment with myself. So I did like um, a top ten teams of who to manage at the start, and you don't see any clip, any any screenshot or anything of Football Manager in that whole video. Yeah, it's about Football Manager, and it's my be one of my best uh, videos in terms of views since I came back. And the same with the Barcelona Real Madrid one. It has screenshots of Football Manager, but you never see my face in the corner and Football Manager as a full screen throughout the whole video because mm -hmm. I always want to make it that you almost you're watching me present to you my experiment rather than you living it with me. I don't know. It may probably wrong. People probably want to see themselves like as it goes through and a nice methodical way of looking at things. Whereas I'm like bang 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 bang. Like Lewandowski is his top goal scorer. Then they signed Cavett Lewin and then they went to they finished eighth and it went wrong. And then Deserbi's managing Real Madrid. So it's like bang, 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 bang. Um so almost making lots of short form videos into one long form because I think short form editing is what I'm best at. So I don't really know if that made sense. That's amazing. I mean fascinating stuff there from Josh. Nothing's different here. Nothing's different at all. Don't worry. Everything's exactly the same. It's just one of those little filler bits where I have to talk. It's the last one, though. I could say the headline event is the former host, Tony Jameson. We actually talked to him about the therapy side of football manager therapy. Okay. Now, I am conscious we've been recording for a little while. I can't remember how much preamble there was after I first hit record, so we're just going to roll with it, if I'm honest with you, because I'm just having a nice time. Yeah. This is just a nice way to spend a Sunday morning. Um, one of the, uh, the one of the last things we kind of wanted to do with you, mate, is you know the podcast is called Football Manager Therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, let's be you know it was you know it was massively beneficial to you and Matt during the yeah. pandemic times. You know that that was great. And what we don't want to do is kind of just shy away. We don't want to forget that aspect of what we kind of try and do, um, especially when we're talking to friends or talking to guests. Mm. So I pose our next question for you, Tony. Um, how are you, mate? How's it going? Just outside of outside of Segundo Volantes and standard comedies. Um, well, I am in therapy now, so I suppose that is really sort of has gone full circle a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we talk about about Tony Dharma's predicting things. Um, <laughs> that very much was the situation when Matt and I started the podcast. We were like, right, we need this as sort of some sort of semblance and and balance to to reality which was going on at the time uh with, with the escapism and everything but yeah i think it's it's been i have trekked the pandemic in in a very opportunistic kind of way i know there's, there's a, a whole lot of, of rubbish that happened with the pandemic and people obviously really did struggle and, and lost a lot of things and lost a lot of people um i'm choosing to look at the opportunities that, that it created in terms of sitting and looking at people deciding upon whether they're, they're in the right jobs the right relationships the right headspace and i uh, decided that i wasn't in the right headspace at all i think it's uh, a lot of time when you sit in the in the same four walls and you you can only really uh, work out 
are you happy with how life is right now? Are you happy with your personality? Are you happy with everything that you've done? And I think that sometimes comedy was a nice way of covering up some of those those feelings and those emotions that I, that I had um, because I just kept myself busy. And obviously during the pandemic, you weren't able to keep yourself busy because you couldn't do anything. And then, of course, add in a couple of, a couple of young children as well. And it's just... With a lack of sleep, you then go, well, okay, here is where we are. And I thought, you know what? It's probably time for a bit of, for a bit of self-care, I think, to be honest. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I think this is probably further down the line of just I'll have a bit of CBD and, a, and less coffee. Like it was more a case of like, I need to probably get out and, like, and then talk to someone. So I uh, made a phone call. Well, what are talking now? About six months ago, possibly, I think it was. And there was a, um, there was a charity in in york where i'm based called uh menfulness i think they're a national charity as well actually there's certainly the little groups things like andy's man club sort of style um charity and they were doing they were they were doing a free six sessions of of therapy and then uh i was like oh you know what like let, let's have a little go at that let's let's try and go and, and, and have a conversation because again i know that there's like the nhs waiting list is like so long for people and people have are in a bad spot and aren't getting the help that they need so what i would say is if you're in that position and you do and you are ready to go and seek some help google things local charities close to your area because there will be stuff that, that are there and they have a bit of funding and stuff and they might be able to get you in the system quicker than than if you you have to wait by the nhs um and again that's in a privileged position of being able to afford to to add it going forward because it was six sessions for free then after that it was like right you have to pay for each session and i know obviously some people can't do that as well but i said to mrs j i was like look i've got a figure in my head of how much i'm willing to pay and it thankfully it turned out a lot less and i was like oh cool it was, well we might as well then let's just just do this and and it i feel as it's benefited me i think i certainly feel as though that i'm getting some of my thoughts and my feelings out there's some stuff which i can improve upon and work upon there's some stuff which i think i kind of um unfortunately there's no budging on at all and we've got to the point where it's like oh well we either we either deal with that or we burn on every single bridge that's ever come in that's so that's a difficult one to have to take um we've talked about aliens which is weird uh we've talked about <laughs> so again like it's one of those things where it's like she understands now that that where i'm coming from very much a case of like i'm not i'm not a straightforward thinker so i'm I'm probably the I'm probably the most obvious case that she's got, but I also think she's the I'm the most interesting case that she's got because, as you all know, I just keep talking until someone stops me. So <laughs> I start off with I think this, and then we get over there. Like you remember in you remember in the office, the American office, where uh, Michael Scott delivers the meeting about planets, and mm -hmm. it's like, but we started off about paper and how we use paper and then how we looked at how other people use paper and then how other people in different planets use paper. And then we started to work out how small we were. I've done that sort of thing almost like not word for word clearly, but I started off with one thing and then we've ended up into universe chat and she just went time's up, time's up. And I'm like, yeah, and it's not, but she's just like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, that, that's where we are. Like, I think overall, overall I'm pretty good. Uh, pretty good overall, I'd say. Like on average week, six out of ten, seven out of ten, I'll take that. The, mm -hmm. odd, the odd day I'm an eight, the odd day I'm a nine, um, but that's certainly better than it has been. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just, uh, it, it's certainly working better now. And being open about it as well, and being like, right, this is where where I am, and this is where uh, my head's at at the minute. But yeah, definitely getting the help is is certainly a, a big improvement. And I would I would say as well to anyone else who's in the same situation, if you can get some help, go and get some help. And, and definitely open up and, and talk to people. And that's what we love about this podcast and like sort of the Discord communities that we've all built. It's been driven on being open, being honest. Again, predominantly men not talking about this sort of stuff. We have to be open. We're of a we're of a generation. Obviously, not you young kids yourselves. Like you're all in your twenty fives, um, you know. But you know me. I'm I'm forty three. I'm of a generation that obviously didn't talk about that sort of stuff. It was all bottled up. And from the northeast, you don't have things like feelings. We couldn't afford them, right? So we just. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, we, you know, and it's like now I'm looking around the world going, well, yeah, I've got two young kids to look after. I need to be in a better position to, to give them the best I can give them. And so, right, take a bit of time off and go and go and do that. So that's where we're at. So that's really refreshing to hear because like I say, the, the most difficult thing can be talking about it. Mm -hmm. you know that's that that can be one of the hardest things, you know, it, it's been, I, I spoke last week about how I've been really struggling. Um, over the last kind of month or so and it's 
it's being self-aware enough because that's what that's what I struggle with. I'm not self-aware enough to realize when I'm struggling. Um, I just throw myself in stuff or try and distract myself with other things, um, which, you know, and, and when you don't st stop getting the enjoyment from the things that you should be getting enjoyment from, that in and of itself should be like a telltale telltale sign um i was having i was having a chat with the with my wife the other night and you know she was talking about how it's it was about this time last month i think that the um i was you know I'm lucky enough and we released the ep that recorded last year uh, down at abbey road it was a wonderful experience but then i was just completely nonplussed about once it was out there i was just like yeah like that should have been a much bigger deal you know and i, I was very blase like, just like uh I think there was parts of the tour that was like that as well, like mm. not fully taking in the enormity of what was going on because mm -hmm. I just treated as well. Yeah. Like we, we're just touring, like aware now with, 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 with distance from it to be like, what on earth are we doing touring? Like, you know, only a few years into comedy, like, no, like, I shouldn't have happened. Like saying, looking at, at the show now, I can see so many things are wrong with it with, with so much experience, but, the opportunity is there. You have to take it, like, but not fully appreciating what's happening while you're doing it. Like, the the show itself, the the record is like recorded in front of three hundred people in Newcastle. Like, I've sold out a venue that's three hundred people. I don't know three hundred people, and I certainly don't know three hundred people in in the northeast. Like, it's not like one of those. You get some comics who are known in their area so it's their homecoming gig and everyone comes out for it i'm not particularly popular with people like I, I keep people now at there's a, a sound, sound bite for our podcast but i'm not like i've got i'm like i've got a few like, i've got a few close friends that i've got right and i've got some acquaintances and that sort and i've got like colleagues and that sort of stuff but I've, i don't i don't have like if i put a show on like now I wouldn't be able to get a load of people to come to come straight away. I'd get some, but I wouldn't be. There's some people who are just so much more popular, like, and they just they have friends who are really, really supportive and all that sort of stuff, and they'll come and do stuff. And like, I think that is one of those things where, I, again, I, I don't understand, and I've never considered just how big a deal a lot of this stuff is. Things with with streaming, like getting into this, can be the best and worst thing for your brain as well as I'm sure you you all understand this like dr stage can be brilliant and right? dr stage covered up a lot of problems over the, the past few years because i just go on stage and it'd be fine and mrs j would be like you can tell you've not had a gig for three days you, you're a bit you're a bit angsty like that adrenaline's got to go somewhere on stream some people and i've done it myself and i'm sure we've all done it as well we've jumped on and, we've, and you know within seconds you shouldn't be there you shouldn't be there like this is not going to go well right and you sort of, you just go, right, well, we'll just do what we do. And it's like, you almost feel compelled to do it. Okay. Now, hear a lot of words as well. I've said this openly a few times about the grind. Like, oh, I've just got to grind this bit out. I've just got, I've just got to, like, I'm just struggling to get this extra, extra bit done. I've just got to, got to get that. I've got to get it done. Like, no, you don't. Once you realize you don't, because it's not your job. Oh, it's so much easier like stand-up comedy when it was my job was horrible stand-up comedy when i had an extra job and then all my gigs were extra meant stand-up comedy was so much more fun because i could go i could be myself i wasn't putting pressure on myself to smash that gig to come back to pay the bills i was just going being myself having fun and getting invited back stream is the same hardly any of us in the community space are full-time streamers. There's a reason for that. There's only a finite amount of, of people who can do this sort of thing. And most of us are doing it because it's fun. But all of us should be doing it because it's fun. No one's forcing us to hit go live. No one's forcing us to make a podcast. No one's forcing us to make YouTube videos. Kev, you made the really smart decision to come off YouTube because it didn't work for you. Mm -hmm. Whereas you could still be sat there making videos, putting loads of pressure on yourself, getting seven views, and then feeling really crap about it. Like mm -hmm. people sitting there going, oh, but I've only got so many viewers and I've just got to be like, I've just, I've just got to get on. Like, if you're not feeling it, don't go on. Like it's, you decide. No one, you're not at the mercy of anybody like you gotta just have fun with it and if it's not fun stop doing it 
take a bit of time off, come back to it, reevaluate what it is you wanted from it in the first place. And if it is, I've started streaming or making a podcast because I want to get more views, because I want to get famous, because you're in it for the wrong reasons. It goes straight back to the playoffs. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Work out what you want to be in there for. I came into this space because I saw a little gap and I wanted to add a bit of quality and a bit of something in there. And I thought I can bring some, I can bring something to it. Not what can I take out of it? What can I add into it? And that's, that's where I go with it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's a smart way of, it's a really, really smart way of looking at it. You know, I think there was um somebody tweeted earlier this week. I think it was, it was either, it was either other Kev, uh, our friend Lujo, recent podcast guest, or it was Ben, and they were talking about people, and it's 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 a similar kind of it's because it's that word grind. Mm-hmm. When was the last, with the exception of if you're Tony Hawk, when was the last time that grinding was was fun in any way, shape, or form? It's just such a it's such a such a weird aspirational word, and I think it was either I, th- I think it was either Kev or Ben. They were talking about, um, I think it was the new FIFA or EAFC, as they call it now, and saying people are complaining there's nothing left to grind in the game. The game's been out for three weeks and they've run out of things to grind. It's like, but if you're grinding, like, that's not a word that I ever associate with enjoyment. It's not anything that I ever associate with a good time. So why do it? Why force yourself to do that? R&B music in the early 2000s is probably the only other place where, where grinding would be seen as a positive. Yes. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind, but you got the you got to have the bump as well. Without the bump, it's oh, it's horrible. Maybe that's horrible thing, yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Grinding, yeah. grinding gearboxes aren't fun, are they? No, no, no. Just bump, awful. Just grind, woeful. But together, <laughs> there we are. Thanks for listening. It's been an interesting compilation episode. Some of our best bits. We've enjoyed them. Hopefully we won't put too many of these out, but we should be back next week. You can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash Jebaru. You can follow the other guys on twitch.tv, the United City FM for Kev, twitch.tv slash Y Callum for Y Callum. Also his YouTube as well. Same again. And Rich Owens FM, not Richard Owens dot FM on Twist. It's Rich Owens FM on Twitch. You can follow him there. But we should be back next week for more football manager therapy content. And hopefully soon those FMT awards will happen. We'll start putting some ideas and voting out into Twitter or X, whichever one you prefer. But until then, we'll see you next time. I'm waving. Bye-bye. See you soon.